May I see your ID? That is a common question we hear at banks, airports, and in some voting locations. When you start a new job, your employer will even require several forms of identification. In this world, you must know who you are and be able to prove it. As Christians, our identity is not defined by an ID card or by who we are in ourselves alone. Rather, our person is defined by our relationship with God, what He did for us on the cross, and the eternal destiny He has planned for us. In Christ, we are citizens of another world, and who we are is defined by the language, purpose, and values of heaven. May I see your ID? I'm Ron Jones, and this is Something Good. I've got some good news for you today. You're not defined by what people think you are, but by who God says you are. Hi, I'm Brian Davis, and this is Something Good with Dr. Ron Jones. In Christ, you don't just have a new destination in the hereafter. You have a new identity in the here and now. And Ron tells you all about it today as he continues his teaching series, Colossians, Jesus is Greater Than. Stop by somethinggoodradio.org to listen to the broadcast on demand. That's somethinggoodradio.org. Subscribe to the program at Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. Here's Ron with today's Something Good Radio message, your new identity in Christ. May I see your ID, please? How many times have you had that question to ask of you when you're out and about your business? Uh, you go to the bank to make a deposit or to withdraw, and what do they do? They ask you, may I see your ID? You go to the airport to jump on a plane to fly from here to someplace else, got to show your ID. Some voting locations ask for your ID. I guarantee you if you started a new job recently or um, will in the near future, your employer will ask for multiple forms of ID. Why? Because in this world in which we live, you got to know who you are and you got to prove it, right, with some form of identification. Well, today I want to talk to you about your new identity in Christ. As Christians, our identity is not defined by some ID card, nor is it defined by, you know, who we think we are in and of ourselves all alone. No, as Christians... Our identity is defined by our relationship with God. It's defined by what He did on the cross for us. It's defined by the destiny He planned for us from before the foundations of the world. Now, the truth of the matter is, is a lot of people are going through an identity crisis. This often happens during the uh, middle school or teenage years. It's the first time that a young person experiences an identity crisis. They're trying to figure out kind of who they are and how they fit into this world. And unless they resolve that matter in their life uh, at that time, uh, it, it can develop some, some insecurities, some insecurities that they carry into their adulthood. And, you know, somewhere in our adult years, you experience an identity crisis. Or back during those formative years, you develop your identity around things that are kind of faulty. 
and foundations that don't matter. Maybe your identity is built around pursuits and things and, you know, goals you set and so on and so forth. And you still, you're, you're sowing the seeds for later in life an identity crisis. Well, again, today I want to talk to you about your new identity in Christ. The insecurity that sometimes leads to an identity crisis, that insecurity comes from the lies we believe about ourselves. And maybe some of those lies you heard from a very early age, maybe somebody in your family told you you would never amount to anything. That was a lie because you were created for success. You were created for a relationship with God. You were created for a purposeful, meaningful destiny, both in this life and in the life to come. That was a lie for somebody to say you would never amount to anything. Maybe some circumstances that you've experienced in your life have led you to begin telling yourself some lies about who you really are and why you're here on this earth. At the root of insecurity are, uh, is us believing lies about ourselves, but at the root of the lies, do you know where they come from? They come from the devil himself because Jesus said the devil is the father of lies. And so it leads me to this, and this is an important truth to, to nail down as we get into Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 to 4, and we talk about your new identity in Christ. Here's what you've got to understand. The devil is an identity thief. He's an identity thief because he's the father of lies, and the last thing he wants you and I to know is who we are in Christ Jesus. Because that is the most uh, foundational, the most formative um, uh, thing that we can grab a hold of, whether we're in middle years or high school years or later adult years, is who we are in Christ. You're not defined by an ID card. You're not defined by, you know, somebody's lies that they led you to believe. You're not defined by your own lies you've been telling yourself. You're not defined by a whole host of things that seem to shape our identity in this world. You're defined and I'm defined by who we are in Jesus Christ, starting with the fact that we are created in the image of God, and that makes us of immense value and gives our lives great purpose and great meaning. But the devil himself, the father of lies, is an identity thief. And he doesn't want you to hear what you're about to hear, which is the truth about who you are in Christ. Now, let me preface some of this by, by reminding us that Paul is writing to Christians. He begins this section of Scripture with the word if. If then you have been raised with Christ. He's not casting doubt on whether or not they are true believers in Jesus Christ. Actually, because of the unique Greek construction here in the original language, the word if could also be translated since. Uh, he is uh, actually stating an affirmative. But let's just use the word if like we would in our common day of understanding uh, as to cast out. Maybe you're here this morning and the reason for your identity crisis is because you've never met Jesus Christ as your Savior. And I would encourage you to lean into this and to lean into the gospel a little bit further because whatever identity crisis you're going through right now, whatever you're, you're trying to figure out in terms of who am I, why am I here, and what is my purpose in this world, and what is my destiny, is all wrapped up in an understanding of who you are 
in Christ, beginning as someone who is created in the image of God and for a divine purpose. Now, with that in mind, I believe there are two things that Paul is doing in these first four verses in Colossians. First, he wants us to learn about our identity in Christ, and we need to take some time doing that. And then he wants us to live out our identity in Christ, and we need to take some time doing that as well. First, let's, let's do some learning together. And there are five words that I've plucked out of the text here that I believe help define who we are in Christ and our new identity in Christ. What you need to understand is when you came to faith in Jesus Christ, something fundamentally changed in terms of who you are and who I am. Our identity fundamentally changed. And those five words begin with the word died. Just write that word down, died. Paul says in verse 3, writing to Christians, for you have died. Notice the past tense. Now, obviously, he's not talking about a physical death because he's writing to people who are very much alive. But let's backtrack and do a little good theology here. Uh, we enter into this world physically alive but spiritually dead. That's why Ephesians 2 and verse 1 says, you were dead in your trespasses and sins. In other words, that part of you that was created to have a relationship with God was dead on arrival. Why? Because we inherited a sin nature. But also, when you came to faith in Jesus Christ, you also died in the sense that we are identified with the death and the burial of Jesus Christ in salvation. We picture it in baptism when we say buried with Christ, you know, rise again to new life. But there's a fundamental identification with the death and the burial of Jesus Christ when we came to faith in Christ, captured in this idea, for you have died. Now, Paul expands on this in his letter to the Romans. Hold your place here in Colossians 3 and go with me to Romans chapter 6. Just have that ready to go in just a moment. But in Romans 6, you know, Paul talks about uh, the fact that we have died to sin. Okay, when he says to the Colossians, for you have died, he's talking about our identification with the death and the burial of, uh, death and the burial of Jesus Christ. And, and, and the, the fundamental working out of that is that we have died to sin. Now, what does it mean to have died to sin? Uh, we have died not to uh, the idea that we can never again be tempted by sinful desires. We know better than that, right? I mean, this week you experienced the temptation of sinful desires. But what Paul means by dying to sin is that you've died to sin as your master. You're no longer a slave to sin. Uh, the sin master used to call the shots in your life. But no, when you came to faith in Jesus Christ, you are fundamentally identified with the death and the burial of Jesus Christ. You died with Him, and you died to sin so that sin no longer has dominion over you. It is no longer the slave master telling you what to do. Now, again, it doesn't mean we don't have temptations and sinful desires, but we no longer have to answer to the old sin master. You've died to that, Paul says. Still ahead, the second half of today's message with Dr. Ron Jones 
lead pastor at Atlantic Shores Baptist Church in Virginia Beach, Virginia. Listen to Ron's messages on demand at somethinggoodradio.org. That's somethinggoodradio.org. Get your free tickets or join the live stream at somethinggoodradio.org. As a believer in Jesus Christ, you've been crucified with Christ and you've been raised with Christ. Here's Ron with the second half of today's Something Good Radio message, your new identity in Christ. Now, go with me to Romans chapter 6. Because the next word I want you to write down after died is the word raised. And Paul says this in uh, Colossians chapter 3 where he begins and he says, If then you have been raised with Christ. So as we're shaping our identity in Christ, we need to know we've, we've died. We've been raised with Christ. Now, go to Romans 6 where Paul expands on this language a little bit, beginning in verse 5. He says, For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. Not only are we fundamentally identified with the death and burial of Jesus Christ, but we're also identified with his resurrection, right? Verse 6, We know that our old self was crucified with him, in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing. Another translation says, so that it might be rendered inoperative. So that we would no longer be enslaved to sin, for one who has died has been set free from sin. Now, if we have died with Christ, we believe that we also will live with him. We know that Christ, being raised from the dead, will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death he died, he died to sin once for all, but the life he lives, he lives to God. That's a mouthful right there, but here's the implication. Verse 11, so also you must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body to make you obey its passions. Now, we've not only died and died to sin, fundamentally identified with the death and burial of Jesus Christ, but Paul also says you've been raised in Christ. We're fundamentally identified uh, with his resurrection. Uh, let me put it in terms that maybe we can all understand. You're not defined by your addiction. Now, all sin is addicting. The world of psychology identifies certain addictions, drug addictions, other substance abuse addictions, addictions to sex. But you can be addicted to bitterness and anger. You can be addicted to envy. I mean, we can just make a long, long list of uh, disorderly kinds of behaviors that are rooted in what the Bible calls sin and rebellion against God. All sin is addictive. But you're not defined by that because you died to sin. You've been set free from the sin master. Now, I'm going to change the analogy back to the, the slave master analogy that the Scripture uses. You're no longer enslaved to that addictive behavior. Now, you can go back and serve the old master all day long if you want to, but he, he has no power over you. He has no control over you. Think back to the Civil War era when uh, President Abraham Lincoln you know, gave the uh, great emancipation proclamation. The war was over. The slaves were set free. 
My understanding from history is that back then there were some slaves in the South that still, you know, acted like slaves. They either heard the news and didn't believe it, or they never got the news to begin with, but they continued living as slaves even after the emancipation. Go back further in history to your Old Testament and to the experience of the Israelites with the Egyptians. They were slaves to the Egyptians for 400 years. Then Moses comes and, you know, let my people go and that whole thing with Pharaoh. And they leave Egypt. They were rescued and delivered from slavery and uh, were on their way to the promised land. Well, that's one of the foreshadowings in the Old Testament. It's a picture of our salvation that we have been emancipated. We've been set free from the slave market of sin. And sin is no longer master over us. Now, again, maybe you never got that news. Or maybe having received the news, you never really fully believed it. And you got comfortable in your old behavior, in your old identity. You've let that addiction define who you are for way too long. And the father of lies keeps telling you, you're this, you're this, you're this. Now, Paul says you've died. You died to sin. You're no longer obligated to serve the old sin master. And uh, in addition to that, you've been raised with Christ. By the way, that's good news. You, you can shout amen. You can shout hallelujah. I mean, what Christ has done for us on the cross, yes, he died a physical death. And he rose physically from the grave to purchase a spiritual victory for us in Christ. This is captured in these first two words, died and raised. Third word I want you to write down is the word seated. In verse 1, if you then have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is. We'll come back to that. Where is Christ? Seated at the right hand of God. As a believer in Jesus Christ, you and I are not only fundamentally identified with His death and His burial and His resurrection, which, by the way, is pictured in baptism. We say, buried with Christ unto death, rise again to new life and a whole new identity. But we're also identified with His ascension because after His resurrection, about 40 or 50 days later, 40 days later, actually, Jesus ascended to the Father. And then 10 days after that, He sent the Holy Spirit. That's the day of Pentecost. But where is He right now? Paul said He's seated at the right hand of the Father. And the picture of Jesus seated is a picture of His authority. Now, it's interesting. Paul, in his letter to the Ephesians, also says, He raised us up with Him and seated us with Him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Uh, we're not only have died to sin and were raised to new life, but we were seated in the heavenlies with Jesus Christ. When was the last time as you're going through your life and the, you know, the uh, responsibilities of your day that you thought of yourself in a position of authority seated in the heavenlies with Christ? Uh, by the way, these three words, not to mention the two more that I'm going to share with you, are not goals to which we are to strive. These are present realities. Paul, Paul speaks of this in the past tense. You have died, you have been raised, and you have been seated in the heavenlies with Christ. 
Therefore, we go in His authority. We are on this earth carrying out His mission in His authority. Jesus said in Matthew 28, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me, right? Uh, There's no higher authority, no more sovereign person in any place, heaven, earth, any place you could find in the universe than Jesus Christ. And guess what? We're seated right there with Him. That's why as believers in Jesus Christ, we don't need to tiptoe through the tulips through this world and say, can I just tell you a little bit about Jesus? No, we go in His, we go respectfully, but we go in, in the authority of Jesus Christ, seated with Him in the heavenly realms. We, we not only died with Him and are raised with Him, we reign and rule with Him. And the Bible teaches that one day we will even judge angels. Think about that. I call you judge whatever, right? We will judge angels because we're seated with Him in the heavenlies. How's this for some good news? Once you put your faith in Christ, God no longer sees your sin. When He looks at you, He sees Jesus because you are hidden in Christ. Thanks so much for stopping by for today's Something Good radio message, Your New Identity in Christ. To hear any of Ron's messages on demand on your schedule, please visit somethinggoodradio.org. And while you're there, check out the Something Good digital library with more than 500 hours of Bible teaching from Dr. Ron Jones to help you in your journey with Jesus. That's somethinggoodradio.org. Well, we have a great new resource to share with you today, Dr. Ron Jones' full-length book, The Jesus Way to Pray. He joins me now to talk about it. So excited about the release of your new book, The Jesus Way to Pray, an intimate journey through the Lord's Prayer. What inspired you to write this book? Thanks for the question, Brian. You know, I think all of us, no matter how long we've been following Jesus, can use some help with our prayer life. I know I can, and I'm supposed to be a professional at this, right? I can totally understand why the disciples approach Jesus and uh, ask him to teach them how to pray. Fortunately, the model prayer Jesus gave his disciples is recorded for us in the pages of Scripture and preserved for nearly 2,000 years. It's known worldwide as the Lord's Prayer. I call it the Jesus way to pray. Ron, you say in the introduction to the book that nobody is in a better position to teach us how to pray than Jesus. What do you mean by that? Well, Brian, to say, Lord, teach us to pray, as Jesus' disciples did, is kind of like asking Michael Jordan or LeBron James to teach us how to play the game of basketball, or Leonardo da Vinci to teach us how to paint a masterpiece like The Last Supper or The Mona Lisa, or Michelangelo to teach us how to sculpt a marble stone into David or the Pieta. Uh, Truly, nobody is in a better position to teach us how to pray than Jesus. I appreciate your thoughts as always, Pastor, and thanks for sharing this important resource with us. Again, that book is called The Jesus Way to Pray, An Intimate Journey Through the Lord's Prayer. Order your copy for a donation of $25 or more. Share it with a friend by requesting a two-pack for $50, a four-pack for $75, or an eight-pack for $150 or more. Give online at somethinggoodradio.org or over the phone by calling our offices at 757-276-1099. 
or mail your gift to P.O. Box 6245, Virginia Beach, Virginia 23456. Let me draw some contrast between heaven's priorities and earth's priorities, starting with this. Thy kingdom above my kingdom. (laughs) Isn't that what Jesus taught us to pray? Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now's the time to just, you know, do a little inventory in your life and ask yourself an honest question. Don't think about the person to your left or, or to your right. Think about yourself and say, am I more about thy kingdom come, thy will be done, or, or am I more about my kingdom and my will? That's tomorrow in part two of Dr. Ron Jones' message, Your New Identity in Christ. Join us then for Something Good. For Ron and the entire team here at Something Good Radio, I'm Brian Davis saying so long and thanks for listening.